0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan and Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, joined by my
1: co-host Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. And Tim Foss, of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts.
2: And if you're not going to give them respect for that,
0: then have fun losing again next Very year. Very special guest Brian Spencer. head coach. Yale Sounders, you know who he is. Brian, how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing.
2: and This isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do.
0: Welcome back to another edition of the Sound at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Tim Foss. Mickey Turner and Susie Rant. Say hi, everybody.
3: Hey, hey guys. Hi, everybody. Uh,
0: So we are coming off a not necessarily impressive win, I guess you could say, but a important win for the Sounders. They are now off to a three Oh and one start. They are 10 points through four games ties their best ever start, uh, which came way back in 2019, a season that I think a lot of people forget. They started 5-0-1, uh, and that season turned out pretty well. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers what happened at the end of the, that year, but MLS Cup win, so it uh, seems like a good sign. But uh, it was a 2-1 win over the Timbers. The Sounders have now won four of the last five trips to Portland, which pretty amazing when you consider they won two of their first 10 trips there. Even more amazing is that the home teams are now one eight and one in their last ten meetings between these two teams. That is the most bizarre stat in all of soccer. So let's just start there. What do you guys make of this road team dominance in this rivalry? It's it's completely bizarre.
1: I, I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> um, it, it doesn't make any particular sense. Uh, it uh, it shouldn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, I I struggle to think of uh, other sports where the road team when all things being equal and there yeah. being a relative equal talent uh have dominated that much and yeah we talked a little bit about it last year when it was really you know going on um and schmetzer kind of blew it off as like just one of those things but here we go again uh, I, know. I think it's just you know uh get up for those games each side gets up for those games it's a kind of an extra way to stick it to uh the opposing side is just to be able to go on the road and win and you know just a little bit of extra motivation um i i I don't know how to explain it
2: yeah i think any good rivalry is in large part fueled by pettiness and spite and i think that's probably (laughs) all you need to know when you consider that the road teams have done so well in these games that you know, I think as much as the fan bases may have a certain degree of animosity towards each other, I'm sure that the players have an even greater desire to go to the other team's house and just ruin the fans' day. Yeah, um, there have been plenty of Sounders players who seem to revel and delight in just giving Sound or Timbers fans a bad time. Um, I I feel like I have plugged their podcast too many times in previous episodes but was listening to brad and steve's podcast from before the game today and they both talked about how you just sort of like you take any form or rest considerations or where the game is being played and when it's a rivalry game you throw all of that out the window because anything can happen and certainly we have seen more than enough ridiculous stuff happen in these games like a penalty being taken twice and saved and then missed both times and you know it just it's a wild and crazy series of games
3: i was going to comment on that um you know fixture congestion um and i i don't i don't know i haven't looked at when these games fell in previous years but it you know, I think the rivalry for a lot of fans have just been like overdone in in one aspect just because they played each other so much, yeah, these last few years. And, um, I know some of them have fallen at really bad times for the sounders, some of them fallen at really bad times for the timbers. I wonder if that also just impacts yeah. some of these results.
0: That is for sure. I that that's a good point, and it, it has happened to like I don't think that fully explains it, but undeniably, it has. It seems like these games happen on three-game weeks a lot for one team or the other. The Sounders were obviously on full rest in this one. The Timbers were not. But it, it does seem to happen that way a lot. I, I don't know that it explains all 10 all ten results, but it definitely explains a, more than a few of them, I think. And it's just a funny little – it's a funny little cork. I've, I've heard from – one theory is that, at least from the Timbers side, that they think – they actually play better on the road against the Sounders because they've gotten so kind of like in their own heads about playing the Sounders at home that there's like this weight lifted off them when they're when they're on the road against the Sounders, and so I, you know, I could I could kind of buy that. Um, I don't know if that I don't. I'm always a little skeptical of that stuff at the professional level, but it's it's you know it's a theory. Uh, I also think it's it's interesting that you know the Sounders. And Timbers seemed to be playing – like, this was another – this game was funny, I think, for another reason in that it didn't meet expectations. I think everyone expected the Timbers to come out and sit deep or at least sit in their normal mid-block mid, mid block, and and let the Sounders kind of, like, try to break down the wall and they'd hit us on the counter, right? It didn't work out that way at all. I, I was looking at some numbers, and I don't know what you guys make of this, but – the sounders, the timbers were, were credited by uh stats bomb with 60 pressures in the attacking third. They had been averaging about 42 a game. So it's like a full third more in this game or 50% more in this game than they had been all season. So, which to me t- meets the eye test, which is they were high pressing much more than they are used to doing. Did, I don't know. Did you make anything of, of that tactic? Did you think it was effective?
2: I mean, <clears throat> that's sort of something I was gonna bring up with regards to the road performances for each side that you know the timbers have sort of been whether it's the primary style they utilize, they've been set up to play as a counter attacking team for maybe their entire existence, but pretty close to it, and I think with both teams, there does seem to be this added pressure or incentive to play a more stylish or attacking version of their own game when they're at home in these rivalry matches. And, Hmm. you know, for the Sounders, if Portland is going to open up and try to attack when they're at home, that has given them a pretty good route to score goals in the past, especially with, you know, guys like Jordan Morris, able to work in that open space. Um and so I think if you looked at this game and looked at how the Sounders have played up to this point, I think you probably would have said, okay, maybe doing that actually is our best option. Maybe this version of the Sounders team lacks some of the speed necessary to be super uh effective in the counterattack. They want to play with possession. Let's try to keep them from being able to do that and we'll try to capitalize on their mistakes. And just for one reason, reason or another didn't really work out the way that they would have liked. They got a fair number of chances, but they really didn't do too much with most of them. Um, I mean, the penalty aside, they had a couple good looks, but for the most part, when they got into good spots, they tended to either hit, crosses or shots that were super easy for Fry to deal with. Um, It did seem like they really were specifically trying to negate the Sounders possession game. And I think that was largely borne out in, you know, the way pass maps looked and uh, just with, based on the eye test, the regularity with which the Sounders tried to play over the top and avoid the midfield um, was probably not what you would have expected for them. And so in that regard, I think the Timbers played their game plan. It just didn't work out for them.
1: Yeah, what I, I didn't really see much on the counter from the Timbers in this game, at least not that created a bunch of dangerous chances like they usually are. Usually they are able to get out on the break, and as kind of hold on to your butts and hope uh, hope that the Sounders get back into position and and the Timbers have used that to pretty good effect uh, over the uh, past couple of years, especially with Saberhagen um, in charge. But in this game, it it yeah they tried to stop the Sounders from having uh, possession. Um, they were able to disrupt them fairly well in the first half. But again, I didn't really see them. They weren't turning the Sounders over, you know, per se. Um, but they were just, the Sounders just weren't really effective in the, especially in the first half. And you could probably argue for most of the game, um, with doing what they wanted to do, um, and get out and attack, uh, the Timbers. But, um, again, from a defensive standpoint, uh, what the Sounders did was, uh, for the most part, pretty good. Um, and they kind of negated the Timbers main, uh, thrust of attack. Um, and so it kind of came out in the wash, I thought.
3: Yeah. I always feel like <laughs> with Portland Seattle games, like, Tactics kind of go out the window a little bit too. Um, they can often be kind of ugly games in general um, with a lot of um, just heat in them. So um, I I almost got this sense that maybe the Timbers direction was just like, let's try to get an early goal. Like let's, let's, you know, put some pressure on early. It was very clear. Like Valeri had some minutes restrictions and he was done. So like do what you can on the field when in the time you have, and then you're subbing out. So I kind of wonder if some of it in that first half was, a result of that, you know, if they had scored in that first half and then they bunker for the rest of the game. Um, but again, like I said, tactics never really seemed to to pan out as you, as you want in these rivalry games.
0: No, I'm trying to think, I don't remember the last time there was like a truly compelling match between these two, like where it was like, they're all compelling, I guess. Like I'm fascinated by all of them. I, watch every minute of them you know i i basically abandoned my family on mother's day uh, for this one but uh it was they i don't know from a neutral perspective when the last time there was just a lot of kind of fun flowing soccer between these two teams and i guess that doesn't really suit them you know one of the things I, i did i was curious to dig in about because this was something that susie and i were discussing offline and it was or off air i should say it was online uh but I was looking at all these passing numbers from Stefan Fry and I was kind of shocked at the degree to which he is making more passes under pressure and just kind of the different, different kind of passes he's making this year. He's hitting long more often than he had before. And, and I, I think you had some interesting comments on it. I actually asked him about this and, and he basically said that one of the, the philosoph I think it was maybe a philosophical change is that, as much as the Sounders want to play out of the back, they've kind of decided that there's no point in trying to play through. Like there, to some degree you want to, you want to play your game. So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to do that, but you're just not going to be dumb and play into pressure for no reason. And they've been the most pressed team this year, at least according to the numbers, they've been facing the most attacking third pressure from opposing teams. And, they have looked pretty good i I don't know i i I think that's a good i I actually am impressed with the maturity to be willing to kind of take what the opponent is giving you as opposed to insisting on playing your your game and I think we kind of saw that against the Timbers where you know they had talked about wanting to come out and and kind of punch Portland in the mouth. It didn't work out that way, you know Brian was upset apparently at halftime but what's funny is that you look at the i don't i don't know that the sounders played that different it was just they started to get the momentum after the double miss penalties i i just thought it was i guess what i'm saying is i i found this to be a, a a compelling game from the growth mindset that the sounders were taking what portland was giving them not necessarily exposing themselves and just playing like a mature game and i think that's what I've been most impressed with this year is how mature the Sounders have played.
2: I think that's one of those, you know, Brian Schmetzer is not necessarily a quote unquote system manager or coach as much as he has like a system of play that he wants the team to use. And the organization from the Academy to the first team plays with this sort of set of principles of how they want to, manage the game and how they want to conduct themselves on the field but he's not like a die hard pep guardiola man city you always play from the goalkeeper to the center backs and this is the way that we do it and if you give up a goal as a result of that because a bad pass happens in the back that's okay those are you know you take your lumps when you're learning this new system they want to keep the ball and they want to play with possession, but they also don't want to, you know, commit turnovers unnecessarily. They'd rather if it's going to be a 50, 50 ball, they'd rather have that 50, 50 ball happen in the middle or their own attacking third rather than, you know, 10 yards from the penalty area because he tried to play it to a center mid who had a guy on his back. Um, And it's, I think sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating to watch when you know that they want to play with possession and it seems like there's a pass on in the midfield, but ultimately if, if results are going their way, it's hard to complain too much about it. And it seems like it's not just guys panicking. That's it. They're doing what they're being told by their bosses to do. So
3: Yeah, I I think that, um, I mean, obviously we're only four games into the season, so a lot can happen, but the beauty of the formation that they're playing right now is it does allow you to have a lot of flexibility based on the game state, you know, um, with the wing backs, being able to help with defensive pressure, if that's, that's the state of the game and also like are providing kind of more consistent width in those, in those positions, um, So I thought that they adjusted in kind of interesting ways to what was working against um, Portland in that like Brad Smith had his way the match before, but like, it wasn't really working against the Timbers as much and they were able to make some adjustments switching the field more. Um, So it's nice to see them be able to sort of recognize that. um, And I'd be looking for it more as teams. Like we really haven't seen a team bunker against the, Sounders yet this year? How are they going to be able to handle that? Um, those are the kinds of questions I still have about this formation and the players they have.
0: I think we can rest assured that we're not going to see that bunker, at least for the next couple of weeks, though, because yeah, they're, they're going to be playing San Jose uh, tomorrow, and then they're going to play LAFC on the weekend. Uh, San Jose is off to a very impressive start. Uh, they're actually on a three-game winning streak. They are second in the West to the Sounders uh, They're, I guess, a head on goal difference to the galaxy who are also on nine points, but this has been a pretty remarkable start to the year for the Sounders. They are every team through LAFC. Uh, every team they'll have fa- faced is either a playoff team from last year or enjoying a very hot start to this year. Uh, Sounds a being the second team that they faced that fits that second uh criteria but san jose is a team that if you haven't been paying too close of attention it's worth kind of reading up a little bit on this team yeah you probably know that they play this weird man marking system where they follow their where everyone matches up with one other player i think there's always one center back who's free to kind of go wherever but otherwise it's a they man up on it on every player they follow them all over the field uh but what's interesting this year is that they're really playing well. Like they're playing fun, like fun soccer. Like I've watched a couple of their games, and I, and I I think they're a blast. Uh, even when they they got outplayed, I thought most of the game against RSL, but they still were kind of fun and and doing interesting things. But they've got this kid, seventeen-year-old kid named Cade Cowell, who if you didn't know he was seventeen, you'd never guess he's seventeen because there's nothing about his game that's seventeen. There's nothing about the way he looks. That's 17. There's nothing about his body. That's 17. He looks like a man. I mean, I guess his face looks like you buy the 17 and he kind of talks apparently like a 17 year old, but he's like, he plays like a, like a man. I mean, he is, he is a, uh, he, he's a very impressive player. He plays smart. It's not just physical. Uh, he's got a lot of different tools in his, in his kit. He's, he's fast. He can shoot. He's got pretty good vision. Uh, I don't know. You guys have any observations on San Jose? I'm actually kind of looking forward to this game.
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, they've been entertaining for the past couple of years, basically since Almeida got there, um, either for, you know, kind of, you know, flummoxing teams with their, uh, with their man marking or for being an absolute disaster, as we uh, were witness to up here last year when the Sounders put seven past them. Um, and so I think, you know, they're not – obviously ever at least at this point going to be a team that spends a lot of money on uh, high profile transfers so a lot of it for them comes down to uh developing from within and uh with their coaches tactics uh which uh again they used fairly well last year for the most part they were in the playoff race until the end um and so i'm looking forward to the matchup they obviously Historically, given the Sounders problems, even though the Sounders have recently gotten the better of them, Jeremiah, I think you noted that uh, the Sounders have a pretty good undefeated streak going yeah. against them.
0: Yeah, they. I, I was shocked to see this. They have a 13-game unbeaten streak against yeah. San Jose, which is like mind-blowing because this is a team that, for a lot of the first... For a lot of time, was a, a team the Sounders really struggle with. I think it was the last team who they beat on the road in the Western Conference. Like It took... Five years, I didn't. I don't think they won. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. They had a long lo- they I guess they won early on there down there, but they they had a long losing streak in San Jose, and they've struggled. And, you know, Chris Wondolowski uh, is the has scored more goals against the Sounders, I think, than well. The Sounders have allowed more goals to Wondolowski than they have to any other player. He scored twelve times against them. Uh, but yeah, recently the last few years, the Sounders have been pretty dominant although last year was a funny one i think tim pointed this out they had two blowout wins and then two zero zero ties uh which is kind of illustrative i think a little bit of the way this team sometimes plays with san jose which is at least during this this last period which is they're either really even or grossly overmatching san jose i don't know which one to expect in this one uh but uh,
1: I would probably expect the, the, uh, the blah version, um, just because there's probably going to be some rotation. That's my, yeah. um, you know, fortunately for the Sounders, uh, they've got Montero, uh, who we haven't even talked about yet, uh, who uh, can potentially come in if they decide to give uh, Rudy Diaz, um, or ruin a rest. Um, but again, there's, they're probably gonna have to rotate a little bit, um, even though it is early in the season and, you know, just based on that and the fact that it's on the road, uh, I'm leaning towards the the zero zero side of things, but you know, with Almeida's team, if they, you know, whether or not they're a mirage or not at this point uh, is, is still up to be uh, determined, but uh, you just never know really what you're going to expect out of that team, which is to your point, what makes them fascinating to watch.
3: Yeah. I feel like those games last year where the Sounders just had blowouts. Um, they did well to, um, like Joven Jones had like the game of his life in one of those. Um, And because he was allowed to roam pretty freely and in a man marking system that kind of can cause some chaos. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the Sounders can solve that puzzle with the players they have available.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the to Susie's point, in the big wins last year, a lot of it came from the Sounders just generally having a talent advantage and if you are playing against a team that is going to play a man marking system if you have for example Jordan Morris he's probably stronger and faster than anyone that they're going to try to have mark him and if you know you have someone like Jovan Jones who plays a free roaming role in that one and can use his strengths on the ball and in finding passes to pick that team apart, you're probably going to have some good luck. Uh, The Sounders don't have either of those players for this season, but I think they still, even if they're rotated, probably have a talent advantage at, you know, enough spots to make a difference. Uh, I think one of the interesting things is that sort of the last time that the earthquakes were really that bogey team for the sounders was during the like the goonies era of san jose when you were facing you know the bash brothers of Lenhart and the other one whose name escapes me and chris Wondolowski was constantly alan scoring. gordon yeah alan gordon um and you know maybe not to the same degree but i feel like this year's Earthquakes team has a lot of that Goonies energy of, you know, they'll fight for the entire game, and it might be pretty even, and then they'll pick up a win with a late goal from Chris Wondolowski coming on as a sub, um, especially, you know, his, his movement off the ball has been legendary for a decade at this point in MLS, and if he comes on fresh in the 60th or 70th minute and is ghosting off of tired center backs. That's a recipe for problems. So I, I really have no idea what's going to happen in this game, but the earthquakes do kind of stress me out whether or not they actually are good or not.
0: You know, I, I, you, you mentioned the Goonies thing. I'm going to start, I have no, I have no Ability to make this happen, but my personal hope is that this team starts to be called the Lost Boys because Cade Cowell reminds me of Rufio from the movie Hook for you 90s kids out there. I don't know how many of you will actually get that reference, but uh, check out Google Rufio, compare that picture to Cade Cowell. I think you will find some agreement there with me. Uh, we brought up Freddie Montero. The thing I came away from that game wondering is Freddie Montero's best role essentially coming off the bench and being the Sounders version of Chris Wondolowski. He is looked amazingly dangerous. He's he's at, he's he's almost averaging five goals per 90 minutes, (laughs) Uh, pretty remarkable stuff from Freddie Montero that he got a goal against the Timbers in his first game back. And our first game playing against them with the Sounders was pretty much perfect. And he seemed to be really enjoying that one. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of loving Freddie Montero off the bench right
2: now. I think one of the nice things is that Freddie has been incredible off of the bench. There's inevitably going to be times where he starts and then you get to either bring Will Bruin or Raul Rui Diaz off of the bench. And neither of those guys are any more fun to play against. If you are a center back who's been having to run around for however many minutes up to that point chasing whichever of the other forwards were on the field um the the ability to have at least one legitimate starting quality MLS forward off of the bench is a huge privilege
3: yeah it's been um so cool to see him back with the Sounders. And uh, he definitely, it, I think it's so nice to have a player who brings something, who's just like, like you said, a starting quality player, but brings something different when they come into a game. Um, you know, I guess Will has been dropping a little bit more and playing the role of creator, but to have someone like Freddie who can shoot and score goals and get in the box, but also um, create from a little bit deeper, um, it just means that defenses have to adjust and um, that's obviously worked in the Sounders' favor so far. He's obviously going to probably have to start some games too, so it'll be interesting to see what his contribution looks like over the course of a longer period of time. But man, what a great problem to have!
0: I know it's I. I mean, I just love it. I uh, I I love it. I I don't. I Freddie is one of my favorite players to watch, and he just brings this joy. And it seems like he is really just relishing in this role. And it's a role that I don't think you could have imagined him flourishing in the pre like in his previous time here, because he really wanted to be the center of attention rightfully. So I think, but he, he does seem to have accepted that he can find a lot of joy without having to necessarily play 90 minutes, every game Uh, on the, on the flip side, I don't know what to make of Nico Ladero's continued absence. Uh, We thought we had him back. And then they reported that he had knee pain this week. And the comments that, Brian made after the game were not super encouraging like he's got inflammation and we don't know what's going on was not what I was hoping to hear uh but on the other hand for the first time and maybe ever I'm not super worried about how this team plays when he's not out there like he like he's played 30 minutes and the Sounders are plus eight goal difference when he's not or plus seven goal difference when he's not playing that's that's pretty great
3: I feel like um, Christian has played a, such a big role in that. I mean, he's just like – I do not understand how he can be everywhere all the time um, consistently, but he's I – th- I think has had a really good like, kind of steady, consistent – I think I'm actually a little bit more concerned about what this team looks like without João Paulo if he isn't like – he does so much to provide defensive cover and is a creator from deep to allow the midfielders in front of him to do what they – what they want. So um, obviously he's also going to have to get rested at some point. Hopefully he can stay healthy because he's just looked really great so far at the start of the season.
0: It, what's funny is to think that when his, the, the degree to which his re-signing was kind of met with a collective shrug, I felt like this off season, like it was like, Oh yeah. Oh, Joe is going to be back. That's good. I guess. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think he's been the most important player. His defensive work in the Timbers game was outstanding. Uh just absolutely outstanding. He he had several hard tackles. His distribution was great. Just really almost didn't put a foot wrong. I I didn't, I just love watching him play. I just think he is a fun, fun player. And he's got that two way two way bite where it's like he he has that creativity. He had the assist to just an absolutely perfect free kick. Um he but,
3: reminds me a little bit of just just Fishlock in that way too. Yes. Like there's times where you're like, oh, he's going for that tackle. Oh, okay, he made it work. Like, <laughs> um, but the like, like they just like know the line so well. Um, so he reminds you a lot of her.
0: No, and I think that's actually a great analogy. And they have that two way. Like, he had like he's not quite an, an analog to Aussie because Aussie was a in really a very different player. Maybe defensively similar, but his profile was very different. Whereas just Fischlock has that two way ability and uh, and that real. Kind of bite in the midfield. Uh, so I did want to ch- switch gears to end this. Uh, we just got word while we were recording that the Sounders are officially opening up some fully vaccinated sections uh, in addition to 121, 122, and 123, which you w- may better know as the Braum end or the ECS sections. Uh, they are also opening up, it looks like five or six sections in the 300s 304 to 309. Uh, I know Mickey did some reporting on that. What what do we what do we make of this? Do we have any idea what the capacity is gonna be?
1: Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be for those sections hundred percent. Uh so they will sell until uh they have no more seats, um, or they run out of vaccinated people. So uh that's obviously big news, especially for the uh the GA uh section having that full um potentially for the next game. That's gonna be a massive, uh, massive thing. Um and I think the, I, there's still obviously a couple of unanswered questions. This literally, as, as you said, came out while we we're recording. Um, I know ECS typically has a batch of tickets that they're allowed to sell directly to their members. Uh, how is that going to work? Uh, uh, is, uh, and how are they going to verify vaccinations for that? I'm not sure. Having read the release, uh, just skimmed it. Not sure if that process has been fully fleshed out. I assume we'll get some more information on that shortly. Uh, but overall, it's obviously great news to have more fans in, in the stadium. Um, vaccinations are, you can pretty much get one if uh, on demand at this point. Um, and so- At Sounders
0: Games, by the yeah, way.
1: At Sounders Games. So it's basically just walk-up service. And yeah, it'll, it will it's just great news all the way around, uh, but there are still a few unanswered, unanswered questions. Uh, I assume we'll get the- uh, get, the answer to those here in the next couple of days because obviously the 23rd is about two weeks out uh from now. So uh they've got to have all this ready to go by
3: then.
0: Susie, the rain are also doing vaccinated sections. Is that correct? I thought I saw something about that.
3: Yeah, they haven't actually um they've had some issues with Ticketmaster. Um, it sounds like what? everyone has. <laughs> um, so they've been a little bit um struggling to get out information before their first match, but Um, They haven't gotten back to me about the specifics of the section, but have started to sell single match tickets, which as of today, um, and there are um, a small amount in a similar spot right behind the goal where the supporters usually are that look to be reserved for um, vaccinated um, members, so I'm sure we'll get probably later today more details from them, but they've been struggling even just to get the tickets for their season ticket holders because of Ticketmaster.
0: <laughs> I just I'm I'm beside myself in shock that Ticketmaster is struggling sure. with something because they've been so smooth so far. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, and just to uh, follow up, uh, it looks like they're they're following as far as proof of vaccination. They're just following the gov the state regulations. You got to have the vaccination card, uh, or you can get a a negative test and present proof of that uh, within the last uh, 72 hours. So, those kind of things are what are available for fans who want to get into the vaccinated section. So, uh, that seems to be sorted out. So, really, it's just um, if they're able to sell, uh, ECS is able to sell on their own. But again, it seems like uh, everything is full steam ahead at this point, and it'll be interesting to see how long they go before opening up even more tickets.
0: Yeah, my suspicion based on nothing other than looking out at the world and seeing the way this is all moving is, you know, May 23rd is this game. They have one game after that on May 29th, which I think is also at home, right? That's against Austin, I believe. Yes, that's right. And, and then they have almost three weeks off. Actually they have more than three weeks between home games. They don't have another home game until June 23rd, I believe. And they're taking a break for the gold cup and, and other kind of stuff that's going on during that period. So there's a lot of time. My suspicion is that when we come back, they might just reopen the stadium, which would be interesting. I, uh, you know, I, I think you're, you're, they're kind of running, running out of reasons not to open it. And I'm, and I don't say that as someone who's trying to get them to open faster, but like you said, it's so easy to get vaccine vaccinations now, you know, by then basically anyone who wants one should be able to get one. And I would highly encourage everyone out there to get vaccinated. And uh, by all means, send me your anti-vax stuff if you want to. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of vaccines right now. And I would encourage anyone who wants to uh, get back to life and would like everyone to get back to life, to get vaccinated. Uh, just today, the FDA actually approved uh, Pfizer vaccines for kids that are between 12 and 15 I've seen some projections that they think uh, kids even younger than like almost all kids will be able to get vaccinated by all school age kids may be able to get vaccinated by September, assuming the testing goes well. So fingers crossed that we might be moving towards something like normal again. Uh, I know this has been, it's been a struggle, but hopefully, you know, we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. Sorry for my rant.
2: I think one of the, one of the nice things with, You know, the all of seemingly all of the local teams opening up vaccinated sections in the stadiums is that to your point, pretty much anyone who wants a vaccine can get one basically on demand. Plenty of places have walk up appointments available. I, you know, don't know, but I imagine there are plenty of people who have looked at the current situation and you know, maybe said, like, well, I don't see the point of getting vaccinated if I can't really do anything anyway. Nothing's really changed at this point. Having these small things where, like, okay, you can return to this version of normalcy if you get your vaccine. Like, you can go to a game and experience it pretty close to what you used to have you just have to get vaccinated. Like adding these additional little incentives for people should hopefully help to push those vaccination numbers up a little bit. I know Seattle and King County broadly is doing pretty well, but any closer to hundred percent is just that much better.
1: Yes. Yes. fully. Yeah. Uh, yeah Sporting course. Kansas city just announced that they're going full, full capacity uh, here at the end of the month. So that kind of gives you a, uh, a <laughs> line on uh, how how this is going
0: well we'll see i it was interesting I, I i heard some anecdotes recently about how different teams have been handling this differently and i and i must say i'm i'm very proud of the sounders i think they've they've done a, a good job of following the advice of of health officials and i think you know the fact that they were able to get 100 percent buy-in on the team to get vaccinated i think speaks really highly of the education process that they went through because i i think we've seen even in seattle uh it's you can't take for granted that everyone's going to want to get vaccinated on the team so it's it's great that they are doing this and hopefully you know we're going to continue to be able to do more fun things uh, as we get into summer here but uh with that i think we should probably sign off i am jeremiah oshan uh bidding you farewell on behalf of tim foss mickey turner and Susie Rants. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.